It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome to Boltcast. This is Jeff Smith. I am so glad you could be with us today. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. Today on the program, I've got Susan Ward. Hello, Susan. How are you today? Hi, I'm great, Jeff. Fantastic. So um, let me properly introduce Susan in just a moment. But we really appreciate everyone reaching out to us throughout the course of the week. And today's topic is stories and lessons learned from global experiences. And let me tell you, our audience is truly global. We have folks from China, Abu Dhabi, Norway, Sweden, uh, India, and Canada, and U.S., Mexico, all kind of places that uh, listen to our show each and every week. And we appreciate your thoughts and notes. Uh, please know that we uh, appreciate getting emails at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Or you can go to our website, VoltageLeadership.com, where you can interact with us, get uh, previous shows, or read our blog. So today on the show, we've got Susan Ward. Susan is a dynamic, fantastic, amazing, super qualified senior executive, coach, facilitator, and above all, a great friend. Susan has a really fantastic career where she has traveled the world. She has worked in many different countries, led folks in all kinds of different spaces around the world. So we've got a Canadian that has lived in the Middle East and done work in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and is now living in Thailand while she teaches classes to people in Singapore and Australia and uh, all other kind of places. Susan, I'm sure I left a lot out, but what I want you to know about Susan is a really great proven background as a strategic executive, a leader uh, in functions, uh, including human resources, operations, and a ton of fantastic experiences. Married to Norm, a fantastic offer, and on top of that, uh, has really taken to meditation and helping people calm down and find their inner self. Susan, welcome to the program. Wow. Thank you very much, Jeff. With an introduction like that, you know, I I feel very humbled. Well, you know, what I would want you to know about Susan is that uh, Susan and I first connected when she was working for Cleveland Clinic. Uh, She came to the U.S. with two other folks from the Middle East to study this program called the Serving Leader Program. And we got to know each other through it and uh, was able to do some work for multiple years uh, over in uh, Abu Dhabi in the UAE. And so it's a fantastic program. As we talked about, though, what one of the things that we learned through our first program, we had about 18 participants in the class from about 14 different countries. And trying to be able to, to say, how do we help organizations today prosper? You've got to understand what it means to be in a global economy, working on global teams. So Susan and I batted around some ideas. That's what we want to talk about. So Susan, why was that topic so interesting to you? Well, I mean, I'm a a great proponent of the title of the book by Thomas Friedman, The World is Flat, Jeff. I think the economy now has really made an equal landscape for everyone. We're buying cars made in one part of the world. We're wearing clothes made in another part of the world. And we're eating food that's come from a third part of the world. But because of the integration, both digitally and through supply chain, you can be anywhere doing anything with anyone. So 
it, it's a whole new world, to be honest, and that's going to impact individual leaders as well as organizations and the teams they lead. Yeah. So as we're recording this, uh, we've got an American, you know, in the Eastern time zone. Our producer is also American in the Pacific time zone. We've got a Canadian that's now living in Thailand. And, you know, that's pretty normal. We've got mutual friends that are in multiple other countries that we collaborate with. And so I think that it's, to your point, just going to become more critical. What excites me, um, Susan knows this, but my younger, my, my first uh, daughter has gone off to, to Duke and they have like 44 countries represented. And she's already met people from like seven different countries. And the type of leader that she's going to be when she graduates college, I can't even fathom. I graduated college in 1990, so it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it really has been. But when I graduated college, I didn't have anybody in any of my classes from other countries, minus one guy from Belgium that joined that, that I got in a class maybe my junior year. And so I think that it's just a continuously emerging trend. And I look forward to the lessons that Susan will share so that my daughter, Olivia, will be even more of a global citizen. And, you know, I think a great question that we can start by asking ourselves, and Jeff, here's an experience that you and I have shared, is about taking a global assignment, either Mm -hmm. voluntarily or mandatorily. And that can be not only through your work, but also as part of your personal personal life if you're doing mission work abroad or some kind of volunteer effort. And I think it's a question that people, young people in particular, should be asking themselves – Why would I take a global experience? What's in it for me? What do I need to know? What might be holding me back? And so how do I prepare for that? I think it's an exciting time for anybody now. The world is available, every corner of it. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, I was just sharing this with, uh, I've started teaching uh, Sunday school for my church. Uh, We started back into our school year. And um, we had one young woman that had gone to uh, the Dominican Republic on our our, uh, mission trip. And she came back a very changed person. And so she had been to four countries. I realized I've been to 21 countries. When I graduate college, I had been to exactly zero other countries. When I was 28, I'd only been in the U.S. and Mexico. And, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that I noticed is by doing that kind of work and thinking about the assignments, I was almost always really nervous at first. By the end of the assignment, I was always like, why was I ever nervous? This has been an amazing experience. How about you, Susan? What was sort of your approach the the first time, you know, the Canadian that you are, the first time you were asked to leave Canada and go off on a global assignment? What was your thinking? Well, you know, my thinking was it was the middle of winter and I was asked to go and do a project in the the Caribbean. So my first reaction was, yes, (laughs) sign me up. But it became interesting because I think, and I just did it, we lump the Caribbean as this place. And yet the work that I was doing under the Pan American Health Organization was with a variety of different islands. And so my first learning there was Martinique is definitely not Barbuda, and Barbuda is not the Cayman Islands, and the Cayman Islands is not Grenada. And so occasionally we just look at the world as this place, but it's the distinction of not only the language, the culture, the people, the values, that I think opened my eyes as a very young leader to, who there's so much more out there. 
and there's so much more that the world needs and that people with skills and enthusiasm and motivation can give to the world. Oh, I love that. You know, I, I'm curious, um, as uh, we'll go throughout the show with tips and tools for the leaders, um, but as you are sort of at the outset, you know, for the leaders that are thinking about taking this global assignment, um, you know, or raising their hand to, to be on a global team, what are some things that you think they should be considering? You know, I, I think you know that I'm a global certified coach, and uh, you've already hit on one of the things that I make sure folks understand is that uh, just because you're from, you know, you're going to Europe, there are a lot of different cultures there. Or you're going to Asia, there are a lot of different cultures. I, I'm like, really study the culture you're going to, and don't just think that they're all the same. What kind of advice and tips do you have for that that leader considering going for that global assignment? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, a, a leader should ask him or herself, you know, how is this going to contribute to my leadership development? And mm-hmm. and at the outset, it may not be obvious, but I think picking up your skills and applying them in a new, unique context right away will grow you and stretch you in many different directions. I think that should be front of mind. Ne- then next, of course, are going to come all what I call the hygiene factors, which is, you know, where am I going? How am I going to live there? What about health care, schooling for my children? Even down to, can I get my favorite breakfast cereal there? So get, get all those things out of the way and make sure that the fit is good for you and your family, because typically people go um, ensemble now. Um, if If now is not the right time, then I think another question to ask is, what am I maybe missing? What skills or competencies should I build so that a global assignment is a better fit for me the next time it comes around, either when I'm asked or when I raise my hand to go? And start to think about that. Is there some reading you need to do? Is there some networking you might need to do? Might you need some coaching, for example? And then a question, Jeff, that I think is really important for leaders What's going to happen when this assignment Hmm. is over? Um, Many people fall in love with expat assignments and don't return to their homestead. So what's next? How can I continue to learn and grow? Or if I do agree to come back, what am I going to come back to? Wow, Susan, that was a lot to unpack there. Let me just give one of my own stories from that. Um, I was asked to take an assignment to England. and I was, um, Beth was pregnant with our second child. So we had one child and then we're getting ready to have Caroline. And um, we said, yes, we, we thought it'd be really good. Maybe a two year assignment. There were some very specific things, international experience, uh, the chance to grow a global team, a few other things that were really key in the development. But to your point, this is, this is going to be our second child. And we we're gonna, we had the only kids, uh, the only grandkids for either family. And we really had to struggle with, was this the right timing or not? We ultimately thought it would be. And then, unfortunately, 9-11 happened in the United States. And so the assignment changed. And what ended up happening was that probably was a, uh, a good thing for the Smiths, a terrible thing for our country, but uh, a good thing for the Smiths because – I got to be honest, our second, having the second child, really, it took us a while to get centered. So instead, I was able to do a bunch of work internationally. And so what I encourage folks to do is really be honest. Can you handle this? Can you do this? And was this the right timing? It would have been hard for us, relatively newly married, two young kids. That wasn't the right timing. 
And so I was glad that we had that. And then later I was able to go and do these assignments. So really starting to ask yourself those questions is critical. So thanks for a lot of those great suggestions. We've got about two minutes till break, Susan. You know, what else on your, what else would you want us to know at the outset of the show here? Well, I think you've just touched on something really important, Jeff, which is I think there's an alternative to taking a two- or three-year assignment overseas, and certainly it was how I cut my teeth. And so, as I mentioned, I did about a six-week project in the Caribbean and with, with a great outcome, really learned a lot from that and felt I had added value. Good. Then I took on another short-term assignment, six months, in Hong Kong, and that was great because I was able to do the compare and contrast. And what it did was it prepared me, it laid the groundwork for, hmm, now 18 years of living overseas and different assignments. (laughs) So I think that's a message for leaders. It doesn't have to be, you know, all in. You can look for some short-term project assignments that would allow you to take a global assignment on a test drive. And I think that's useful information for people that are considering this kind of next step. Oh, that's fantastic, Susan. And I agree. Um, after that assignment didn't work out for me, I did a series of two to four week assignments uh, in Europe and was able then to take longer assignments. So fantastic ideas. So today we are going to be talking about going global and it is time for our first break. So we'll come back in two minutes and pick up the conversation. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling, whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Volcast. This is Jeff Smith. I'm so glad you could be with us today. We've got Susan Ward with us today. Susan is a, a world traveler, a been a expat, a global citizen, and a leader for the last uh, whole career. But the last 18 years has kind of lived globally from her home country. And so we've been talking about lessons that leaders should know about when going global. So Susan, thanks for being here today. And I really appreciate a lot of the thoughts that we had for leaders that are thinking about what they do when they're considering an assignment. What about a little different? What about now, what should the leader be thinking about when they're thinking about trying to go global with their company? What's some of the thought processes that you would want those leaders to be considering? Mm, uh, That's a great question, Jeff. And I think a leader who is starting to consider, should I take my company global? And my company could be, you know, it could be a small mom and pop operation or it could be a growing entity in a certain country of the world. I mean, the, the first question that leader should ask him or herself is, what's the burning platform here? Why would I do this? And, you know, on the list of sort of the the pros and cons, I think there's some not very good ideas. One would be lower cost of labor. So simply picking up an offshoring part of the work, the manufacturing process, hmm, unless that can generate tremendous value for the company and its stakeholders. But, I think more positive view of why we would go global is simply that question to how can we better serve our customers? Can we better serve them if we're closer to them? Can we better understand their needs if we're closer to them? And so I think that should be at the forefront of any leader's mind. Why would I go global with an external view of how will this better serve my customers? Yeah, Susan, I think that's a, a great question to ask. Um, you know, gosh, there are full of challenges by going global. Could you maybe, you know, as you were thinking through that, you know, I like your idea and I, I'll come back and share a case study a little bit later um, of we where one of my companies just went for lower cost of labor and why it didn't work. So I'll come back to that. But what are some of the, the challenges of going global? Well, I, I'm, I would be really misleading our listeners, Jeff, if I didn't say, this is complex. So I'm thinking about any organization that exists today in the US, the UK, Australia, in a very developed country. The complexity of the regulatory system, languages, import, export, tariffs, all of that, those are just three topics of 300 that a leader would need to consider in taking his or her company global. So I think all of those considerations have to be at the forefront. So nothing good has ever come out of globalization that didn't have a lot of planning. And much like the opportunity we talked about with the individual, the same can be uh, held with the organization. So, for example, it doesn't mean that a company has to go look for a a greenfield site, 
get building permits, bricks and mortar, start hiring. It, it doesn't have to look like that. It could be, as we call, some kind of inorganic growth. So it could be a partnership with uh, an, an entity that is in that other country. It could be a subsidiary. It could be some kind of third-party strategic alliance. There are many ways, shapes, and forms that this globalization could look for a for any company. And I think rather than going whole hog, organic growth, we're going to build a new factory, we're going to have a distribution system, companies can start small, look for a partner that shares the same value set, and perhaps start with a short-term project as opposed to something big where a lot of capital and skin is in the game. Gosh, a lot of great thinking there, Susan. Um, you, you had me thinking about my days at Capital One as a global leader. I was on the team trying to decide where our next countries were. Uh, and that obviously, I talked a little bit about that assignment earlier. And part of the reason we chose the UK first was similar cultures. And we felt like um, between language, uh, less amount of t- hours difference between the two countries in comparison to some of the other countries, you know, that was one of the reasons we went. Um, and we studied for a long time. We really thought we wanted to go to France next. But we quickly realized um, that even though that was a great match for our product, it wasn't a great match for our culture. They had very different laws, um, different number of hours worked per week, and very easy to, to sort of get in the country, but then very hard to get out. Like you had to keep your workers there for a long time. It would have been very expensive for us to depart the country. So to your point, our next one was we went to South Africa and partnered with um, a bank in South Africa that had similar culture and norms to us that we were able to do a partnership, and that helped us get our expansion. And And I would like to tell you that it was, we were brilliant. It was some trial and error, but what I'd say about that is, this is an example, if you're thinking about uh, this as going into the global, don't be cheap. There are really good experts that can help you know how to to assess and go into the country. Don't go willy-nilly and think you know how to do it. Really find some experts and partner with them. I I think that's great advice, Jeff. And I think another thing that uh, a leader of a company could could easily do is simply some benchmarking. So Mm. what can we learn from the world's most admired companies that clearly have a global footprint? And, you know, one of the first was Toyota. Again, he... uh, a little example from from the trenches when Toyota first came to Canada to look at building manufacturing plants. Sales of Toyotas were not very high at that time. Of course, we had a large U.S. automobile manufacturing mindset, but Toyota simply failed to understand what winters were like in North America. They had underestimated the impact of salt and sand and what that corrosion did to their vehicles, and people People weren't buying Toyotas. They were saying, why would I buy that in a rust bucket? It's gone in two years. The whole body has collapsed. That's one example of a company, while successful, actually had a bit of a, of a false start. And I think leaders can, can look at companies that have done well globally, as well as some that have not. And, and one other example would be my alma mater, where I did my, my undergraduate degree who said, we're going to come to the Middle East. We have the world's greatest engineering school, and we're going to make a foothold in the Middle East. It will be a great novel program. The first two years will be in the student's home country, and then they'll come to Canada for their last two years. Sounded great. Until those students 
had difficulty getting visas, hmm. and even on a on a more fundamental basis, mom and dad didn't want their young daughters and sons traveling over to North America. So the the program failed. They packed their tent and with their tail between their legs, they left. So look at corporations that have done well and look at those where they haven't done so well and learn from those stories from the field. Yeah, you're, gosh, you're so right. It's, um, and, and just know that we all have our biases and what seems easy in your business here wherever here is, doesn't translate to wherever you're going. Uh, I'll just give a simple example. A friend of mine from Pakistan and myself flew to uh, China. Uh, we had a company that we'd bought, uh, not bought, we had started a company in China, and um, we were doing a lot of software engineering. And so we wanted to do stock options to help increase ownership, except those were illegal in China. And so it was, how do we give them the benefit and get this ownership when they're not allowed. So this would have been late 1990s, early 2000s. And we were just so naive. We didn't even know what we didn't know. We got there through wise counsel from our Chinese uh, business associates, as well as asking the folks what they really wanted. And stock options wasn't it. It was a lot more about education, uh, training, and their own development, and not the stock options. But we assumed, because in the US at the time, Everyone wants stock options that they would want stock options. I know naive, you know, and that's why we're on the show now, but that was how we learned was through experiences. Mm. And I think a trusted local partner, to your point, Jeff, whom a, a company has really vetted and done their due diligence on can be a tremendous asset. But the due diligence has to be not only at the level of, is this a good fit? on a partnership basis, is it a win-win, can we both grow our business, but are our values the same? Do we share what great looks like to each of us? Because your local partner can be your best friend and biggest asset, or it can be the source of failure as you go global. Yeah, maybe, um, Susan, you know, you've, you've got such great experience. Where have you seen it gone right? You know, what were, what were the top two or three things that you saw really go right? You gave us a little taste of it, but I'm just curious of, of the things that have gone right and the ones you've seen work well. One of the organizations that I'm working with right now is a pharmaceutical company specializing in vaccines. And they are doing, I would say, 18 months on the ground uh, focus groups with local healthcare providers in clinics in Africa, for example. They know that it is difficult for people who need vaccines to even travel from their village. So they're speaking with village elders, they're speaking with tribal chiefs to find out how, what is the best way to bring a much needed product to the people there. And Jeff, I want to tell you, it isn't all about profits in this case. It's about wiping out a disease that can be prevented. And so the company knows that the profits will follow only, only if they can be aware of how best to bring this product to people in deepest Africa. Hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, Susan, I'm just, I love the stories, you know, and, and what I want uh, this global audience to that's listening to know is that, you know, these are all great ideas and we look forward to some of the ideas that you'll share with us. Um, so as you go out throughout the course of the week, drop us an email at jeff at voltageleadership.com and that will, we'll, we'll make sure we get these ideas in some future episodes. Right now it's time for a, uh, uh, 
brief two-minute break. We'll come back and continue our story about going global. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. I'm here today with Susan Ward. Susan is a international speaker, facilitator, uh, coach, and has been an executive in multiple countries and is br- bringing to us, the, the radio audience, her experiences and insights on what it takes to be a global success story. So, Susan, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. This has been great, Jeff. Well, Let's branch off into another sort of area. We've we've kind of covered what to consider when you're taking a global assignment. We've talked about you know companies maybe going off to to do global things. Let's say that you are a leader in your organization. You're having success, and all of a sudden you get tapped, and you are now promoted to a global team. Bum bum bum. You didn't necessarily <laughs> seek it out. It was brought to you. What do I do? I'm now managing people all around the world. And I may have been properly trained, and all of a sudden I'm thrown to the wolves. What do I do, Susan? Well, I think if if I were coaching you and you came to me with this dilemma, Jeff, I would say, hmm, let's reframe this, Jeff. You're, You're thinking about this as a challenge, and I'm going to position it with you as an opportunity. Many companies have become tremendously successful 
and leaders in those companies successful when they've embraced uh, diversity and inclusion. And what better way for a leader to really roll up his or her sleeves on the diversity and inclusion competency, but leading a global team. So I'd start by saying, hmm, who are your new team members, Jeff? Tell me a bit about them. Where are they located? What kind of an operation do you have in those countries, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think it's a tremendous opportunity, as I say, for a leader to start to understand different cultures, religions, ethnicity, and to turn diversity into a competitive advantage. I think leaders have come to understand that not all of the best ideas are quote-unquote homegrown. If you tap into the resourcefulness of people around the world, you suddenly can say, hmm, there's a different way to do this for our company. And in fact, it might be better. But that aside, one of the other things you have to do as a leader is to quickly connect with these people. Um, You may have, as you said, just been promoted, inherited a team of eight or nine reports that are in different continents. How are you going to be that leader? And I would say one of the things you need to do is embrace technology, just as you and I are doing today for this recording. You need to connect with people, and technology is not only, it's not a barrier anymore. In fact, it's what can bring people together. Be prepared, though, Jeff. You're going to have the 724 day of work because just as you're wanting to crawl into bed, operations are starting up in the morning in Asia. And so your iPhone's going to be going ping, ping, ping unless you put it in a drawer overnight. So just a few things from very high level to low level about what this is going to mean for you. Yeah, golly. I'm thinking of uh, Lee West, who uh, often listens to the show. Lee uh, works for Novozymes Biologicals. They're based in Denmark. He's back in the U.S., but he's got folks all over the world. Went for um, an expat assignment for the past year to Copenhagen. And, you know, one of the things that he did was that's exactly what happened to him. He went from a uh, just U.S.-based team to a global team. And he realized pretty quickly that he needed to go spend time outside of the U.S. so that he could be successful in understanding what it was like to interact with his teams, whether they're in the corporate headquarters in Denmark or in uh, the U.S. in multiple places, because he had folks in all these different places. What he's done is he tries to get them live once a quarter so that they can really connect and then use Skype judiciously. They have another you know, uh, telepresence, et cetera. But he does not shortchange on relationships. So a big part of getting together is not just the task, but really getting to know each other. So they spend a large amount of time in relationship building and getting to understand things. And the host, whatever country they're in, part of it is taking a half day and going and showing off home country and saying what you're proud of so that we get a better sense from wherever we came from of why you're so proud of where you live. So don't shortchange the the cultural part of this these roles as well. I I couldn't agree more. And for me, this is the perfect coming together of what I would call organizational culture mm. with different ethnicity-based cultures. And a leader needs to really understand for his or her team what makes them tick. For example, <clears throat> we know People have different decision-making styles. 
Another very obvious one is timekeeping. So, for example, <laughs> we know that in certain countries, time is a rather loose concept. And so a meeting that is due to start at 10 a.m. might actually start about quarter to 11 versus an experience I had in Japan with a team when I was literally 50-50 seconds late coming back from lunch. And I was told that this was not appreciated. So timekeeping, decision-making, hierarchy. Hierarchy has very different forms in different countries. And so what is that going to look like? People that you may be um, working with in Asia may look up to you as the leader who's going to make the decisions, who's going to set the pace. In other more social democratic countries, they want the leader to be just one of the guys, for example. How will you as a leader do performance management? We know that typically people like you and I, Jeff, the very polite North Americans, we like this sandwich approach. Well, you've done this well and you've done this well, but I wish you could focus on that. Wow, that may not fly with someone who's very low context and wants to know right up front, how can I be better? So imagine as a leader, you yourself will increase your diversity simply by your, able to, your ability to connect and relate to all your team members. Yeah, I, I think the word that keeps coming to mind for me, Susan, is curiosity. You know, I think it is be curious about who you inherited, what's the culture that they're working in, what are their needs, what are their desires, um, and also understand that not everyone will be direct and tell you immediately, but be curious about that. So if you're sort of getting some superficial things, that's okay. Stay curious. I'd also say from from me, I, I mentioned earlier. Both Susan and I are trained as global coaches, and we study context a lot. And so I would encourage you um, to seek out a coach that's got some global experience to help. All those questions that Susan just went down in like 10 seconds, she, she's got there ready for you. You're going to want someone coming beside you as you take on these kind of assignments to help you navigate the waters and work on your development. It's incredibly exciting and make sure you get some support and help so that you can be, go through this successfully. What, what other thoughts do you have, Susan? Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with you, Jeff, about having um, maybe even what I would call a guiding coalition of people that can be mm. your support, your advisors. Simply understanding how things work is going to be so key to someone's success as a leader. And that has everything to do with, as we said, you know, the legal right to operate a business in that country and what that might mean for your team in terms of labor relation, performance management, compensation packages, for example. Are they going to be driven from head office, wherever that is, or is it going to be locally based? And I think for a leader, it is that fusion that comes only out of curiosity, as you say, of sort of a, a global approach with a local flavor. And people that are working for global multinationals, they really need to feel appreciated for that local flavor that they bring. They're often closer to the customer and coming together that fusion can be really very powerful. Well, you know, I want to give Susan credit here. Um, when um, our friend Carl Wilson and myself, Carl's been on the show a couple times, um, 
came to Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, that was the f- one of the first things you did was uh, you and, and your husband, Norm, met uh, Car and I. And we went for a walk. And uh, I'll never forget, we went and got some ice cream because it was a hot day. And uh, we walked on the Corniche. Uh, and you just gave us a sense of this is the country that you're going to be in. You're going to be coming here multiple times. Let us Let us teach you about that. And that was such a nice way for me to you know, I was so um, wound up about the work and how successful it could be about the work that I was almost missing the cultural part. And then by understanding the culture of the country allowed me to be even more open and curious about the culture of the organization. And so I think that you taking that time and then letting us go meet with some other people and getting a different way of looking at it. So, you know, Khadija, who is an Emirati and getting it from her point of view was a real great advisory board. And so I think that was a fantastic idea that you just shared, Susan, and, and would want our leaders to hear. Find your advisory board that can help you so they can be successful. And and Jeff, I think we both know of, of an executive who took an expat assignment and literally lived in a little microcosm of his or her home, <laughs> stayed in a hotel room, didn't even rent an apartment, was kind of using technology to watch his or her favorite shows from her home base, never really got in touch with the culture of that, of, of that area and that region. And the employees pick up on that. They want you to embrace their land, their language, their culture, their religion. And um, that's the way to build, uh, I would say, not only credibility, but connection with a global team. Susan, I uh, uh, haven't had a chance to relay the story to you, um, but when I was in uh, Denmark, no, Netherlands, actually, it was the Netherlands this summer um, with my family, uh, there was a family from the Middle East that was getting ready to go down steps behind me. Um, and so my family was going very slowly down this sort of scary spot. Of, we we're coming down from the windmills, and it was a hard thing to climb up. And so I could hear them speaking in Arabic, and they were very nervous. And so I was just like, shway, shway, no yellow. And they they, they looked <laughs> at this, you know, American with blue eyes and, you know, and uh, Caucasian skin and all that. And they just start laughing. And the, the father gave me a hug and just really appreciated that. And you, of course, know that came from our riding in the desert in, uh, mm. uh, out for the Arabian Nights in Abu Dhabi. But just learning just a couple words. And we, we followed each other around all day, and you know he knew English, and we were able to have this nice conversation, but it was only because you had taught me a little bit that I could extend that. Mm. And what, what a great gift to bring to the world, to not only try to understand their culture, but to really embrace it and not be fearful of other cultures, to say, we share this common platform as human beings on planet Earth, which is we want the best for our families and ourselves and this world we live in. And let me just connect with you through a few words. That's, that's a really very lovely story, Jeff. Well, thank you, Susan. We are right up against uh, our last break here. So we will come back in two minutes and give you some of our best tips and tools to finish the show. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. This is Jeff Smith. I'm here today with my guest, Susan Ward. We've been talking throughout the course of the show about going global and what does it mean to be a leader in a global assignment and in the global economy. So this is our last segment of the show. What we normally try to do here is give some of our best tips, tools, resources, etc. So Susan, first off, just such a joy for you to be able to share some of your global stories. As we sort of think about uh, these leaders that are listening in and they really are a global audience, you know, what would you have them, you know, as they're pondering this and trying to get better at this, what are some tips or tools that you might uh, recommend for our listeners? So I'm going to talk about two things. And the first is a tool is a book um, that I think has been tremendously impactful around the world. And many leaders that I know have, have used it either when they were about to take a global assignment or when they were taking their company global. And that's a book by the name of The Culture Map by Aaron Meyer. Aaron Meyer is a professor at INSEAD University, which is one of the world's truly global universities with campuses. Its main campus is in France, but it has campuses also in Singapore and and Abu Dhabi. And Aaron has um, a very simple but impactful framework for understanding different cultures around the world. And I'm often, I often think about, I don't believe this is an example from her book, but it's around signage. So we're often so careful about signs that we post. You know, we want to be politically correct and we don't want to, you know, really offend anyone. And she gave examples of signs, a sign on a beach in the Netherlands, which simply said, Dress for the body you have and not the body you want. (laughs) Um, A sign we saw at a beach in Australia which said, 
you may die here. People have died here. Be careful. So the culture map is a great way to understand um, the world, what makes people tick, and will certainly inspire curiosity, I think, amongst your readers. Going from the culture map, then the second thing I would recommend for anyone is simply to look at resources around the country, either that they may be moving to or that their company may be moving to. And there are many really good um, expat forums that can orient people. The more a person can do to get ready for a global assignment, the better. And certainly when we were opening Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi, we did a lot of preparation that were coming uh, that for people that were coming overseas. We had a pre-employment guide which talked about everything from moving your pets to what to pack, um, how to get ready, etc., etc. And anything that people can do to orient themselves and to think more globally is to their advantage, Jeff. Yeah, oh, gosh, I love it. I, you know, I think for me, it's... Um as you do this, as you get there, get out and experience it. Kind of not, don't be that expat that we just talked about that stayed in the hotel room. You know, go out and really get to know the culture that you're in. You know, one of my favorite times um, that, that I had was going to one of the folks in our class, uh, Ahmed, had owned uh, sort of a coffee shop slash uh, bagel kind of place. And Susan taking us there and getting a sense for what does a neighborhood look like where we were actually doing our work and not just staying in the nice sort of Western hotel and having all Western meals. It was good to go and have a Emirati meal or meet some of the Emiratis. Similar when I went to China, we, we really, we went in and met folks that were there. Does that mean I fully understand? No, but being able to spend some time and start to get to know their family, where they live, the type of food that they eat really starts to connect with you. So I would say, read up, you know, tap into those resources and go experience stuff while you're there. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. One of my sort of sayings about myself is, you know, work is what you do, not where you live. Mm. And a global assignment can really be for many people a powerful leadership lesson. It will stretch you. It may at times stress you, and that's okay too. But it's going to, from, I think it's going to take people's blinders off um, to how things work in different parts of the world. And some of those ideas brought back into a company can really, really drive innovation. So, and, and my sense is that this leadership lesson comes more from doing and feeling than thinking. So kind of, you know, shut down your intellectual brain when you're in these other countries and just feel it. Take it on board and, you know, that will make you a different kind of leader. <laughs> Susan, I would say take your sense of humor with you too. Uh, you, you know, we as we've worked together, uh, how important humor has been and um, don't take yourself so seriously that you know, we, we have found so much learning in humor, and humor is universal. What we laugh at may be different, but I promise you a smile and knowing that we each make a mistake, it's okay. And that humor really connects. So don't leave the humor and be so worried you're going to get it wrong. Use some humor, too. I found that really helpful. 
for sure. And for many leaders, they have to let this this whole title of quote unquote leader, they have to let their guard down and simply be the humble uh, person that they are and maybe not be so much the leader, if you get what I'm saying here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Susan, we got just a little more than two minutes left in the show. Anything else that we didn't get to you want to make sure that we know? Um, just one other thing, and I think we so take it for granted and we shouldn't, and that is technology. Technology can be the real uh, catalyst to effective uh, globalization and working around the world. So I I agree with the comment you meant that the, that you said that the face to face can never be replaced by technology, but technology can be a great tool for leaders to use to connect them um, with their teams to better understand what's going on. So let's let's never close the door on technology. Yeah, I agree completely. In today's you know. For for me, I'm sure you're in the same spot. Uh, there's some folks I coach um, internationally that I have never physically met. I look forward to that day, but boy, I feel like I know them via Skype, uh, via you know our ability to share everything on Facebook to to all these other places. And so I think it's great to uh, be able to get live when possible. But boy, there are so many times that's not going to be possible. I would say as often as possible, try to use some sort of video so you can see that other person, what's going on, so you can read and not have to guess as well. For sure. And even technology to the point, um, my husband and I, as you know, volunteered at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. So we used technology to learn some basic Portuguese. And that just helped us so much to connect with people. So it is technology to connect with people, but it's also leveraging technology to help you become a better global citizen. Susan, it's such a joy and honor for you to be here today. Uh, you know, it, it's um, I appreciate for, for those that don't know, Susan got up at uh, 4.30 in the morning so that she, we could do this together. And we had to record it because our time zones never match. But really appreciate it. So, Susan, thanks for being here. And I'll, I'll put the wrap on the show here. Thanks, Jeff. A pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, everyone out there, the listeners, thank you each and every week for joining us. Uh, we will be live uh, again next week at 1 o'clock East Coast time. You can figure out where you are there. If you want to reach us th- during the week, though, reach out to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. You can also go out to our website, Voltage Leadership, where you can get information, blogs, ideas. Um, you can also, uh, if you want some more lessons learned, uh, pick up our book from uh, from uh, AHA to All In that John Hagmeyer and myself wrote. Love for you to be able to get a few lessons learned there as well. Most importantly, though, we appreciate the letters and notes that you send us so that we can know how to help shape the show. So thank you for that. In the meantime, please keep growing. Be curious. Pick up maybe the culture map by Aaron Meyer and go learn a few more things. In the meantime, create a great week and look forward to talking to you next week. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to VoltCast, illuminating leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.